Hi everyone, Darren Hunter here with Dennis Youssef. We are Inspired Growth Training today with the PM Growth Experts Show. Now this podcast, of course, this is a video interview, but we've also got this streaming on audio um, on iTunes podcast and also for people that don't have an iPhone on Podbean as well. Today Brilliant. we have the one and only Kirsty Dumphy. Hi Kirsty, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. Cool. Yeah. Now Kirsty is a real live super lady and uh, just a little bit about Kirsty. Actually, before we get into it, sorry, we've got to give a big shout out for our exclusive partners, EBM Landlord Insurance. Now, everyone out there in property manager land, when you're signing up new business, we can't be saying anymore, hey, Mr. Owner, have you got landlord insurance? And they go, yes, and then you tick that box and everything's okay. It's not. Because if that owner has signed up a policy with a bank sourced landlord insurance, or even worse, a supermarket sourced landlord insurance, do not anytime assume they've got good cover especially if they if they've got a meth lab in a rental property unfortunately if that does happen um, or if they've got pet damage now Kirsty when you were running a real estate agency you were using EBM landlord insurance what was one of the best things that you found that worked for you and your owners Definitely. We always recommended specific landlord protection insurance from a known provider whenever we were recommending it. So exactly what you've said. Um, but I loved the way that EBM actually had that cover for pets because I, I don't like pets in my rental properties, but we do know that it's a necessary thing sometimes. So for owners to have a bit more comfort and peace of mind, knowing that they've got that extra protection was fantastic with EBM. Yeah. So EBM landlord insurance, of course, have cover um, should there be, unfortunately, a, a meth lab damage in a property, but also pet damage as well. So talk to the guys at EBM landlord insurance. Go to rentcover.com.au. Now for our American viewers, of course, EBM landlord insurance is not in the USA, but there is Shorevestor. Uh, yep. And talk, talk to the guys at shorevestor.com. The great guys there, top policy. Talk to them about their specific cover as well. Get landlord insurance on board as a point of difference. Now, what I love about insurance, no, 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 let's not move on. Let me put a plug in as well. It's not about you and Kirsty all the time. <laughs> so, Darren, I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware. I love that. I'm sure that what they do is they also offer building protection as well. So, um, the other landlord insurance companies that we deal with in Australia, they don't do that. So, I think that's an added bonus as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think it's, it's important that, you know, um, Obviously, these guys are experts in knowing what they do. I personally use them as well, so yeah. I'm a big fan of them. Yeah, and they're getting a lot of momentum in the States as well. But so we're, yeah. we're blown away that they're up till now, up till Shorevest, that there really wasn't any real landlord insurance cover. So it's a new concept for the Americans. But moving on, Kirsty Dunphy, let's just go through your amazing profile. Now, I remember watching you on a current affair many years ago uh, with your thankfully sister. not shouting no comment no comment now <laughs> no, you weren't being chased down the street by the cameras <laughs> you were being applauded for for your success but at 15 years of age you were working in your mum and dad's business and you said you, your title was filing slave uh 19 you moved into property management 21 years of age you started your own property management agency and at 22 you were the youngest person 
ever to be awarded the National Telstra Young Business Person of the Year. And your success has just gone on from you know new level to new level. Mm. Kirsty, you are, are a live uh, living legend um, in <laughs> real estate. Uh, everyone's like, hey, Kirsty, Kirsty Dumphy. Um, you know, amazing success. But Kirsty, I think in this session today, you've, you've been in real estate for 20 years. Um, amazing. You have, you are now working with real estate agencies now as a mortgage broker, but you um, have an amazing ability to find the right people when you're working in real estate. You are obviously had a, a, an amazing ability to grow people and keep people as well. You've told me that 15 people, former staff members that you looked after are now running their own real estate business. Is that correct? Yeah, I think the number is 15 that have gone on to at some stage either run their own businesses now or have business ownership in the past, which is, it's kind of a nice testament to it. Like for me, yeah, um, yeah when I started working in real estate, I was 15. My mum worked in the real estate agency and it was a little agency here in Launceston. Um, I remember I was like, I think 17, the first time I asked to buy into that real estate agency. So for me, that goal of wanting to push forward and, and be a business owner myself was always um, was always front of mind. So it's nice to see that I've had some part in the journey of some of my staff members going on to do that. Awesome. Yeah, yeah it's so, to you. so, I mean, apart from, you know, Kirsty, one of the things that, you know, when I share about my story and I'm doing a presentation, I fell into real estate. And I've got to say 98%. Well, I've got to say you did it. <laughs> like oh, we all come on. No one okay. gets into real estate thinking this is going to be it for them. Like there's no five-year-old out there going, I want to be a real estate agent when I grow up. <laughs> Valid point. But I fell into the family business of fruit and veggies. You know, I, I, I tried avoiding fruit and veggies. I went into hospitality. I sold Amway and Kirby. <laughs> I did all of that stuff, right? But... Um, you know, and then I applied for a property, challenged the business owner because the girl wasn't good and, and he challenged me to, you know, come do it myself if I think I could do a better job. So I did, right? But How much foresight did that guy have? That guy saw something in you. I love it. I also love that every time you say you tried to get away from fruit and veggies, I imagine a giant banana like chasing you down the street. Side <laughs> note. I love the vision. But um yeah, so, but, you know, normally I'll, I'll say to somebody, and I, I you know, I, I said it at the first national event, I was here yesterday in Sydney, and I said, um, you know, who here was at school, and they went, I want to be a real estate agent, and, and no one puts their hands up, it's, it's a rarity that you, you would have been at school, and you were 15, 16, going, I want to buy into a real estate office, that's yeah. unheard of. I just wanted to have my own businesses. Like I was so very fortunate to grow up in a really entrepreneurial family. I saw my yeah, parents yeah. start business after business after business and it got into my blood. Like yeah. I worked in every single one of their businesses growing up and that was the best life education I can have. And not because it was all sunshine and roses. Like my parents both went bankrupt um, through some bad choices, bad business partnerships, but I saw that too. Like what other 16 yeah. year old has had the fortune of having that opportunity of seeing all the stuff that worked, all the stuff 
that didn't work, having that culture of taking chances, asking for things that you want, going for it. I was, I was so incredibly blessed to grow up in that environment. But I think when I first got into real estate, it wasn't, it wasn't a forever career. Definitely not. It was like an after school job. And I literally was the filing slave and I just did whatever I could do. I just found ways to be of value. So anytime anyone needed anything in that office, I'd put my hand up. I'd be like, I can do that. What do you need? Oh, uh, conduct an auction. Okay. Probably that's the only thing I can't help with, but anything else I'll give it a crack. So that was, that was sort of my start, but it didn't actually, it didn't stick in me. It didn't get in my veins until I started working in and around the property managers. That was a huge and pivotal turning point in my life. I worked around the property managers. I paid very, very careful attention to the clients that would come in and to how ordinary they looked. And I don't mean that as a disrespectful comment, but I think prior to that, if you would ask me what a person who owned 10 rental properties looked like, I would have imagined some super fancy schmick person in a suit with a Ferrari. And I didn't realize that that could be the teacher and the you know, the person who is married to that teacher who maybe runs a local shop, maybe the fruit and veg shop, who knows? But I didn't realize that it could be these normal people or it could be the builder coming in with his dirty work boots and his stubby, you know, shorts and he owns six properties. I didn't realize that that sort of success around property could be from normal people just like me. That was the pivotal turning point for me. It was that understanding that what they were doing was going to be possible for me. That was the beginning of it all. It's good. I mean, you know, most people that I know that if their parents went through bankruptcy, they go down into that for me, for me, for me. But you looked at it as a lesson of what not to do and you, you know, took that on, which is it's certainly a testament to you. Uh, there's, a, a there's a Dr. Zeus quote I love, and I'm not going to get it right, but it says your past can either break you, define you or strengthen you. And yeah. for a while, that broke my whole family. Like there's nothing more demoralizing than um, having your family house repossessed, um, your car. I was in my final years of high school while this was all happening. My parents' marriage broke down. There was so much that I could have let define me, but instead I just chose to make it something that would strengthen me going forwards. And we all have that choice as hard as it can be because my circumstances were difficult, but not as heartbreaking as a lot of people go through. But at the time that was a lot for me to pick up from. And I started my very first legitimate business not long after my parents went through all of that. Wow. That's, that's awesome. So, I mean, uh, it might be a little bit tough a question to ask, but if you were to meet yourself, way back when you first started in real estate, knowing what you know now, what would be the advice that you'd give yourself? Uh, just knowing what, our, what the market that I was buying in went through over those next few years, I probably would have said be less cautious. Um, I'm a, because of my parents' bankruptcy, because of what my parents have gone through, I'm a backup plan for my backup plan for my backup plan kind of girl. And had I gone harder younger when money was being thrown at me by the banks, like for example, my first ever property, I got pre-approved for 90,000, which at that stage seemed like a, you know, mm. we're talking 20 odd years ago. Um, but I bought a property that was 31 and a half thousand. And that is the story of my entire property investing career. And also with a lot of business decisions as well, I will always take the more cautious considered option. I'm not a huge risk taker. So maybe especially early on when I had no children, no commitments, no big mortgages, maybe just take more risks, more chances. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's good advice. I mean, it's interesting. Um, my first house was $92,000. 
you know, $92,000 and I had a $5,000 deposit, I remember, yeah. and I had to pay $1,000 for insurance. <laughs> I, I, I have to say that my first house was about 92 as well. So there you go. Yeah. I love it. We're all of a similar ilk. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, we're either showing our age or showing that we've got synergy. I don't know. They both match anyway. <laughs> I've, I've got the free Botox happening here. So I'm hiding my age as best as I can right now. Free Botox. Just for you can people. work on it, Dennis. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Just so people listening understand the comment, it's called a big fringe going over the forehead. <laughs> <laughs> well, bangs for your American listeners. Bangs, yeah, that's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's brilliant. So I mean, if you were to look back at some of the, uh, you know, um, any mistakes that you made as a as a real estate agent, you know, running a company or or being a department head, you know, what would what would be you know, a pinnacle thing that helped you overcome that. So you've spoken about how it was overcoming and pushing through the barrier of your parents going through divorce and uh, bankruptcy and stuff. But what about in the in the real estate world? You know, so many things can come at you at once. Definitely. I think one of my early mistakes, you said, you know, on my experiences being a department head, I never was a department head. I went from being a scrappy 19, 20 year old, having had a crack at a few different things in real estate. And I made one really pivotal choice in my life. And that was to go and get my real estate manager's license. And I went to my boss at the real estate agency at that time. And I asked him if he would fund any of the cost. And he said, no. And I still went and I paid the money and I got my manager's license so that when two salespeople from that company were in a position of wanting to start up their own real estate agency, I was with them because I had the license that they didn't. That is the one defining thing that I could point back to and just go, that was a pivotal moment because had I not invested in myself or my own education, much the same way that people that are doing training with you are investing in their own education without any necessary, you know, they don't need it to do their job necessarily. It's about bettering themselves. But had I not made that leap and also for a frugal person made the leap and paid for it myself which was hard for me I wouldn't have been asked to come along on that journey with those two people and that was where my my real estate business ownership career sprung from but because I had never been a department head because I had never even worked as a senior property manager or anything like that at that stage as soon as I started taking on staff in our new business and that was left to me to manage um I was terrible at it absolutely mm -hmm. terrible um, so maybe this is a little word of warning for the people that do get promoted into those department head roles or go from being amazing at their jobs and then be given management roles. It is bloody hard. Like I, um, I micromanaged my first, um, staff that I inherited. We took on a hotel and I inherited some housekeeping staff. I micromanaged all of them into quitting within two weeks. Um, a very prized experience in my career. Um, but staff management and building a culture within an organization, that was my biggest learning curve. Um, just the difficulties that go along with it and the fact that people are not robots much as you would like them to be sometimes and we all have lives and feelings and personalities and different personality types that have to work in with each other that has been still an ongoing lesson definitely yeah, emotions getting the way mm, very yeah, much so forget about that it's like you know it's like poor Darren trying to get me to a meeting on time um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Especially when you've agreed to a time. So. <laughs> yeah, unlike the meeting today when you were two minutes late. But anyway, <laughs> let, let, let's move on. Kirsty, let's talk about one of the big issues in real estate today, definitely in property management, is just where do you get quality people from? They don't grow on trees. 
Now, tell us about some of your recruits. You know, you need to build a star team. You can't build a star business, have star results, successful results without having successful people on board. And that's one of the biggest challenges of business owners today in property management. What are some of your, you know, ways, strategies? How did you find quality people? How did you attract them to you? Definitely. I think there's there's been always two strategies in my businesses in terms of where I wanted to recruit people from. Um, if you're happy to take on people new to industry and teach them all your habits and techniques, that's amazing because those people are everywhere. Um, if you're looking for people with experience, then I'm not a big believer in poaching from other companies, but I am a believer in being friendly with everyone in your industry and setting a culture that is attractive in and of itself. So, um, you know, posting cultural things on social media as opposed to just here's a property we have for rent make it seem like actually some clients of yours today posted their morning tea on social media and it was a whole bunch of cut up pizza and party pies and then the next thing on their social media was want to come and work with us and I was like I want to come and work with you I want pizza so even just little snippets like that I feel like that can help when it's talking about attracting people in the industry but one of my favorite stories actually is um, how I came across a young she was a young girl at the time no real estate background she worked in a local photo processing shop her name was Jane and she's a very successful real estate agent in my hometown now and we're still very good mates some 15 odd years later but I walked into the photo processing shop with a friend um, and we picked up because this was in the days where you actually went and picked up your photographs and I picked up my photographs she had beautiful big smile super friendly attitude um, something just made her stand out to me. And I thought, wow, she's great at this job. She knows people. She knows how to get me feeling warm and fuzzy about this experience. And that was it. I walked out the shop. I walked probably 50 meters down the road. And then I hear my name being called, Kirsty, Kirsty. And I see her glorious long brown hair floating as she's running towards me down the street, like full on running. And in her hand is a second set of photos. There were two copies um, of the photos and I'd only picked up one and she was bolting down the street to get me. And I said to her right then and there, I work in real estate. If you ever want a job, this is my card. Come and see me. And now some 15 years on, she's an amazing sales consultant. She worked with me for a good many years and she um, was effectively one of my bridesmaids. So, um, yeah. yeah, she that's, that is the kind of person that stands out. I mean, I even had a young girl in my office yesterday and some, there was just something about her, just a spark about her. She was telling me how she'd been contributing to super um, since she was 15 years old. And I was like, there's something about you. It's about identifying those moments where there is something about that person and thinking, could I help that person become an even better version of themselves if a real estate career was something that they were interested in? But those mm. people are everywhere and people either get it. I'm going to use a word that's a made up word. They either get it attitudinally or they don't. If they don't have the right attitude, it doesn't matter how skilled they are. It does not matter at all whether that person is the most talented property manager on the planet. If they are a pain in the butt to have in your office, if they do not have the right attitude, they will bring down your entire office. That's why we're so careful about who we hire at the moment because I walk into my office and we are belly laughing all day. We're having such a great time. I don't want to ruin that. That is something so precious. And when you get it, you have to hold on to it with all your heart. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Darren, we could, you know, we're a testament to the way we travel together between the three of us. You know, we're always making sure that um, we are on song. We love what we do and it brings the best out in us. 
you know, the banter we have in a, a recording like we're doing is so important. The banter, you know, when Darren's asleep and I take a photo of him on an aeroplane and I post it all over social media, you know, or sometimes when I can't find him and it's like hashtag where's Darren gone, you know. Like it, it's about the video creating. you guys did with the pants. I I think about that and laugh often. Do, do we For have me, to bring is, Kirsty, Do we have to bring that up? It's genius. I have to bring it up because it's so memorable. It's the <laughs> thing that people remember. That well, it was very memorable like, it because it was not like it. It humanizes you though. That's there the there thing. was no staging in that, and there no, was. No, you uh, could tell. Edison and I, honestly, as trainers traveling, we do do what we can to save money. Uh, we do share a room. Um, but that's great. <laughs> and, uh, uh, he was, yeah, talking for people out there. Dennis was <laughs> into, our, well, into our IGT inner circle. There's a plug for our Facebook group, our Facebook community. Uh, get involved in IGT inner circle. There are three questions you need to answer. But Dennis was doing a, a challenge, video challenge, teaching people on a on a on a iPhone. But he was looking at the pin, the, the camera hole, as opposed to looking at the screen. He had no idea what was going on in the background. And in the background, I could hear that Dennis was doing a challenge, but I didn't realize that his iPhone was pointed in my direction. I was finishing emails and I'm very focused when I'm doing tasks. I don't let anything interrupt me. I zone right out so I can get the task done. Anyway, so I looked, I, did, I got my emails done. I looked at my watch, time to go to the gym. And so I proceeded to and did do drop my jeans or my pants on camera. <laughs> and so too, we entered social media uh, uh, hall of fame. Uh, yeah, and what's, what's really interesting about that is um, that day is coming up very soon. On this day, I hear on memories on Facebook. <laughs> the anniversary um, of the pants. Anniversary <laughs> in August. <laughs> The anniversary of the video that Dennis did all the talking and no one heard a word that you were saying. <laughs> but I love that you guys actually chose to share that. You could have just had a giggle. That could have been an internal thing that you shared. But in sharing it, like anytime someone writes an email in our office or um, does a, an out of office or anything like that, I say, I want you to remember that I want your tone to be friendly, not professional. Yeah. I don't want you to be stuffy. I want you to be a human being because people want to deal with other human beings. They don't want to deal with a big corporate like this is the way that we do property management or whatever it is. People want to deal with a human being. And if that human being should happen to have a personality like you two obviously do, it's nice to share it and know about it. Yeah, and personalizing um, business is something that I've been pushing a lot. And that's how I did real estate myself, Kirsty. It was being personable, being relatable, being able to adapt to whatever situation you can when you're in the door. You know, if you want to be successful in real estate, you need to be able to know how to speak to a homeless person okay, and a business person. You need to be able to be adaptable, adapt to that environment. And um, you certainly um, caught my attention when we met at the REIB. I had no idea who you were. I had no clue that you owned a business. I just thought I knew you were friends with Sophie Lyon and that was it. And you just happened to win um, the prize I was giving away. And straight away, we just both said, let's swap cards. You know, our, our, and I wrote in your, um, I put my number in your phone saying AA, and I put me at the beginning of your favourites. And then you wrote, Kirsty's a rock star, you know, and you added it straight to the favourites. So, so um, you know, when you can find a synergy like that and, and you can work and then you're working with so many people and you're surrounding yourself with those people. Darren actually shared a meme today um, about surrounding yourself with those right people. 
that actually helps take you to the next levels. And there's people like that that push you. And you've obviously got people in your work environment that you can enjoy so much that continue to push you. Yeah, it's about having fun, but they push, they push, they push, they encourage and they lift. Yeah. And, and one, uh, of my, one of my team members has been with me in four different businesses. Where I go, she goes. We're like, a, we're like glued to each other. Wow. And that says something about the culture. And she's actually, she's my best recruitment tool because she's infinitely more likable than me. She's a joy and a delight. And so I say to people, you got to go and have a coffee with Carrie before you actually can come and work here. And then she comes How in. How do I know it's Carrie? Because yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I say she's lovable and everyone's like, oh, you must mean Carrie. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah, straight away I knew who it was. And, and can, I just want to bring up two people that, um, that work with you um, and that I know as well. I mean, um, we've got Sally who owns Property Wise Launceston. The, the girl is just amazing. And one of the girls that she's just employed is Jarman. And I only learned the other day that she also worked for you. And it just, it just like, I should have known. <laughs> now, now that girl is throwing herself into videos because she knows that's what I train on, and and yeah. she is just a natural in front of the camera. And um, again, two amazing people that I know that are just a testament to working under you. So you know, you you you've set so many ripples in the world of real estate. It's like the little boat is Kirsty, and you can look all the way back, and those ripples have spread out so far. And it's uh, it's certainly great to meet other people in the industry that are uh, influencing so many people so well done that's um that's a really nice thing to say and Jamin and Sal are two of my two of my favorite humans and I loved working with them and I love seeing what they're doing now except that I'm a super competitive person and I saw that Sally was doing so well with her Google reviews and I thought I'd set up a little competition between us to see who could get to 100 Google reviews quicker well because she's learned all of your techniques she smashed me yeah. so um, <laughs> it was nice when you start oh, you oh. know over and exceed your skills but it was like oh that was demoralizing I was like, and not only did she smash me, she obliterated me. Let, let me just dwell yeah. in the moment for a second, okay? <laughs> yeah, absolutely obliterated us. So I think I, owe, I think I owe her a cocktail over that at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Let me be there as well, so I can sure. celebrate. Can I? And let me just say, out of competitiveness, she is one girl that's very competitive. She's a, she's such a lovely person, but as you get to know, that competitive spirit comes out. Um, Darren often talks about not trying to ever um, compete against me in anything. Um, she <laughs> certainly gives me a run for my money, Darren, in um, being very competitive. Um, so, yeah, and, and it's about, you know, you can be a gentle giant and be such a competitive person at the same time. She's very time. gentle, very sweet. Sally Sunshine, we call her. So there's nothing, there's nothing cold-hearted or ruthless about her at all. I feel like she's a good example uh, of someone that will win with, with, Sunshine and, and puppy dogs, yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or and I mean, in her case. Yeah, and unicorns as well. Let's just throw yes. that in there for the <laughs> sake of the conversation. Unicorns yeah. were the ones with the bad time management. They missed the arc, isn't that right, Darren? I'm going to drop in another question here. Kirsty, <laughs> okay, so attracting the right people, um, looking for that spark. So really, you're quite happy to take on anyone that has that attitude qualification. Um, you know, any particular industries that stand out to you or just really you're looking for attitude? Because I think we know you can't, you, you can only employ attitude, but you can't train attitude, right? You train the skill. Correct. So you're really yeah. going after that, uh, um, 
I'm going um, for the spark. I want yeah. the unicorn like spark. Absolutely. Like I want there to be something that like gives an aura of glitter and, and amazingness around them. I mean, for example, my office manager at the moment was my travel agent. Um, I travel a fair bit. I worked in with her. I knew how efficient she was. She knew nothing about our industry, but we put a job advertisement out and it didn't say anything about what I do right now is I write home loans. It didn't say anything about writing home loans. It spoke about how we want to change people's lives. That's effectively what we feel like we do. We make people's lives easier. We help them achieve their you know, future goals. We give them security for their family. That's changing lives. So she said, I'm in. I've never done any work in your industry, but I'm in. And I was like, you're hired. That was the entire job interview done. Wow. I, don't, I don't read resumes. I'm terrible at, I would be horrible in HR because I do everything off gut feel. But probably actually one, um, one lesson for people who are recruiting, one very early mistake that I made was that I um, hired a lot of people exactly like me. Um, that didn't work out so well. Um, turns out I'm not the easiest person to manage and contain and work with. So now I feel like I look for those complementary skills more so than an exact clone of, you know, me. Cause so so what, tell me what are, if we were to write down a few characteristics of who Kirsty is and what's your hit list to avoid, what are, what are those things? Describe yourself. That, that There's some good characteristics as well. There's some absolutely. ones that we would want to, you know, do. Yeah. Um, for me, if, if someone described me as reliable if I say I'm going to do something I will kill myself to do it and if I can't do it you'll hear from me beforehand I want that in every one of my staff members I want someone who understands that if you make a commitment to someone even if it's just I'm going to call you on Wednesday you do it you diarize it you don't forget it and as I had children and lost my short-term memory as most mums do I realized the importance of writing all of that sort of stuff down so that's really really important um the unbridled um drive and ambition that I have is probably the more tricky thing to contain in a staff member. Um, if you get someone like me, they're never ever content. They're always striving and bursting and all of that. But, um, the stuff that I think is really important is just that commitment to customer service. That is what it will always stand out to me, whether they're in, I mean, the best job that I've ever had for my overall career development had nothing to do with real estate finance, nothing. It was working as a waitress. I was shy. Can you believe it? Um, I was I was introverted, but working as a waitress, if you are shy, you get walked all over. If you are confident, if you take control of the situation, I ended up, I'd, I'd walk up to a table of eight people and there'd be two kids and I'd go to the head of the table who'd be the eight-year-old child and I'd be like, right, I'm going to start with the head of the table. What would you like to eat? Like I'd take control of situations and waitressing taught me that. So I don't think it really matters what career experience the person has had up until then. It just matters a about their commitment to creating an experience and every business I've had is around that like I the only real businesses that I've had that have done it at all well is all around that service experience it's about selling what's in my head as opposed to a physical product that's what I know so okay. if I can so, find people that can do that would you uh, so let's just say you've gone to a local hotel and you've come across a person at reception that just has got that buzz got that spark but you don't have a position available. Would you still be wanting to meet them for a coffee, have a chat um, and uh, put them in your pipeline? It's interesting. In my real estate days, because I had a much bigger business, at one time I had a business with 50 staff, always then, because you always knew that something would come up. Now I'm probably a little bit more selective, but now um, 
I would still, if someone's given outstanding service, I would still let their manager know. Um, I had a, a real estate mentor called Glenn Cortino who's let me know, you know, always acknowledge great service when it comes up. And even just doing that is actually amazing. And here's a, here's a great tip for anyone who has younger staff members. Whenever my team members start with me, um, I get them to fill in a form. It's an A4 piece of paper. I call it a magic form. They fill it in on day one with all the rest of their paperwork, super paperwork, employment contract, all that sort of stuff. And then they forget about it. Um, and the magic form was given to me by an American real estate trainer called Rick DeLuca many, many years ago. And I've used it ever since, but it lists things on there like their favorite chocolate, their favorite restaurant, their favorite magazine. So I have all of that information when I want to reward my team later on. So for Easter this year, one of my team is mad about kinder surprises and I wasn't here for Easter. So I made sure I left her a huge kinder surprise on her desk. It wasn't just, um, impersonal it was like specifically tailored to her but I don't think she would know how I actually know that she would have forgotten but also that same team member um, she's younger and so on that same form I get their parents names and addresses and once they've been with me for a couple of months I write a letter to their parents telling them what an amazing credit it is to them how wonderfully their daughter has settled into our office the work ethic she's expressing all of that sort of stuff because that's that's something that you can do that instantly makes that person feel like they're on top of the world. Now, of course, if you weren't feeling it, you wouldn't write it, but um, it's been hugely powerful. And I do that with all of my younger staff members once they've been with us a little while, because how good would that be as a parent to get that letter? Like yeah, just phenomenal. That's certainly yeah. building culture on another level because you, mm. you know, you're, you're instilling the culture within your team. But then if they ever go to their parents and think, you know, I love my job, but I'm, I'm thinking I'm <laughs> for a change. I mean, you've yeah. got the parents on your side. No. Kirsty, look, I'm a client of yours, you know, um, you're my mortgage broker and I love getting emails, messages, birthday messages, the whole lot for the whole family. You know, because you're talking about that, that form you get your staff, you've obviously implemented the same stuff for your clients and your onboarding process. And and if we can, you know, segue this into real estate, onboarding is never ending. It doesn't stop. And it's something that, um, you well, know. I always did it in property management. I always just asked for dates of birth as well. Um, and I just said it was an extra security measure. Well, I didn't need it, but then we could acknowledge their birthdays. Yeah, yeah. it's so simple. I, I, it's so super important. I actually yeah. don't write on people's walls on Facebook anymore. Neither do I. I. And I don't acknowledge on the birthday because Facebook has ruined that for all of us that actually do have a good system. So yeah. you will know I always it's always a couple of days beforehand. I like to yeah, be first. It's certainly in personalised life. Facebook brought us together and now it's pulling us apart, which it, it, yeah. it's hard to process. I just you know, took my birthday off Facebook this year because I kind of felt like, no, I don't, I don't want it just being something, you know, and I just don't want that. I, especially what drives me insane is people that can't even write happy birthday. The people that write HBD, I'm like, really? Three letters? Like, no, no, don't even, don't even do that. What do I do, Kirsty? Oh, there was this one time I quite liked where I got a video of an entire room singing to me. That's pretty much the best birthday message I've ever received in my entire life. It was amazing. I might have cried a little bit. Yeah, we Lots were of other Melbourne. crying, but just a few tears. Yeah, yeah, we were in Melbourne, Darren. It was Geared for Growth 2017, and um, I sang Happy Birthday, got everyone to sing Happy Birthday. I think I remember that. Yeah, and then the, the next year I did it one, like I actually just did it to myself to you as well. You know... 
and that's it. That's about connecting with people and, and how are we doing this in real estate? How are we doing this in whatever career we're in? It's certainly lacking. It really is lacking. And I mean, you do videos for your business. It's something that I've always pushed. You were part of the video challenges that we did. And so many people, Kirsty, were messaging me saying, who is this Kirsty girl? You know, we love her videos. Like, oh, why know. won't she shut up? I thought you were going to say, put me in front of a camera. Darren, you were worried we wouldn't have anything to talk about. You should have been worried I just wouldn't shut up. Yes. <laughs> All yeah, right, but, let's, let's move on to the next question. Yeah, no, hold on, hold on. But it's about being personable in real estate. Again, it's something that you're coming back to. And you obviously look for that in the people that you're employing. Uh, you segue that onto your future clients, onto your current clients, your past clients. I think it's wonderful. And actually that video challenge prompted me to do a couple of things in the office because I love the idea of doing video, but also with my work, I travel a lot. And so um, my phone now lives in the office. I have a, a different phone that comes with me. And when I'm not in the office, we have pre-prepared video messages. I'm wearing a different outfit in everyone. So the clients don't feel like it's pre-prepared and it's like, oh my gosh, congratulations, you're all approved. And so if I can't physically get on the phone to a client, I send the video message now and that's all because of you so thank you for that such a good idea yeah. <laughs> and obviously it doesn't have people's names and people don't don't realize they don't care they just know that they're getting a text from me and then they can play it maybe share it send it to their parents yeah so well, it's pretty no. good thank you so, so Kirsty, let's talk about now growing people and one of the <clears throat> questions i see a lot a lot of hang-ups that bosses have is investing into people growing people training people, sending them to conferences, sending them to seminars, and then they just get up and leave. What's what your if you train people that? and they What's leave? What's your attitude yeah. towards that? Oh, I mean, it's that age-old thing. What if you train people and they leave? What if you don't train them and they stay? You know, I feel like anything that you can do to invest in the education of your people, not only is it a good litmus test, if you offer someone an educational opportunity and they grab it with both hands, that's a good person to have around. If you offer them an educational opportunity and they're like, mm, I don't know, I'm a bit busy, that tells you something about them as well. So, I mean, the educational experiences need to start from having a library in your office that people can go straight to. Um, they need to be things like ongoing monthly training, but then also just even a culture of sharing things within the office. I mean, we have a blog. As soon as I answer the same question two or three times from a client, I write a blog article explaining it. I send it out to my team. They then come back with feedback, comments, all of that sort of stuff. So I think education in your team, um, well, for example, I have a young staff member at the moment who wanted to do the next level up in her training. And for whatever reasons, I won't go into the details, she can't utilize that training for about five years. Um, and right before tax time, um, she said, I'm just going to do it. I've paid for it. I just wanted you to know about it. And so I just straight away reimbursed her for that. That was ongoing education that she wanted to do. Um, it was from a management perspective as well. The $500 that I paid for that training was far more well spent than it would have been giving her a $500 bonus or a $500 pay rise because it showed her that I was investing in her and she took the first step. She bought it without actually needing me to pay for it. So that's the kind of behavior I would always reward. I, I think, I think um, Kirsty, you um, putting that as a test and that you want to do ongoing learning or you've got to learn this, learn that. The you watch, obviously watch the people that take that step to do education. There's a lot of offices out there where their staff members are just not interested in doing training. So you find that as a test and know you've got the right people? 
Absolutely. I mean, anyone who thinks that they know everything about a job. I mean, I worked in real estate for 20 years. I was still scratching the surface in terms of things that I could have learned in there. In this career that I'm in now, I'm five years in, again, still scratching the surface. When it comes to training, educating, all of that, like if anyone is wanting to become the best version of themselves, how lucky are we that there's things like podcasts now though? How good would this have been, you know, 20 years ago? But at least we're here in this day and age now where you can go out for a run, go out for a walk. I'm a big believer in putting a podcast in my ears when I'm doing the dishes or something mindless like that. So we're so lucky. And it's the people that are constantly listening to things yeah. like that. They're the ones to watch for. And, and they're really such a small percentage of the community, isn't it? There, there, there's, you know, what, 5% or 10% of people that really do want to progress. And I, I suppose getting that right person is so important. I know Chris Hanley um, from, uh, from First National Byron Bay, you know, a legendary leader in real estate. One of the tests that he does um, for new staff members is that he may drop a piece of paper or something like that and see who picks it up, see if that person actually picks it up. He has other tests as well and interview to know if he's got the right person, ask some questions like, did you have a job at high school? You know, that he found the people that were working outside of their study, um, doing those extra hours earning money at high school tend to have that really strong work ethic as well. So um, I love those two tips. They're great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good one. So what you're saying is we can do job recruiting in Ubers. Because a lot of Uber drivers have a second job, right? Like, yeah. You know, they're university students or college students and stuff. You know. Yeah. So yeah. I used to go. I used to go to McDonald's, the cafes. I know they are trained on on customer service and and they know how to. They follow can follow them. a process. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, um, fruit, that's the fruit and veggie days. I was never an owner of a real estate business, but um, you know, um, I loved looking for people. We used to play indoor cricket. We were the team that didn't go to the pub after a game of sport. We went to the coffee shop. Go figure, I like coffee, right? And McDonald's was the only place open. That had coffee hour. and ice cream. Um, you know, <laughs> oh, see, you're learning. <laughs> you watched my Facebook posts and they didn't have Baileys at McDonald's. So I, I didn't even know what an affogato was before I met you. <laughs> <laughs> the power of social media becoming top of mind is just coming mm -hmm. out. But see, even that, like, I know that that's something about you and my clients. So today, um, I don't have it with me. It's out in the hallway, but a client dropped off a big hamper or had dropped off a big hamper full of donuts because somehow she's gotten the impression that I love donuts. I don't know how. It's pretty true. Or like clients will give me tea or gin as gifts because social media has meant that people get an access into who you are. And like we were speaking about wine before, I don't drink wine. I'm very grateful when I get it because I can give it to other people in the offices. But now yeah. people know more about you but it's also very easy to know more about your clients as well and to be really tailored in the way that you reward them also so in the same way that i get um in the same way that i get our um team members to fill in a magic form on the information that i get from my incoming clients i ask them three simple questions what's your favorite drink what's your favorite restaurant what's your favorite magazine so when they refer me a client i can give them back something that's actually meaningful to them mm -hmm. as opposed to necessarily like here's a bottle of wine you may or may not like to drink yeah, very, very good point. It's interesting that you say that, um, and it's about knowing your clients. I remember the very first time I did a, um, a panel session for, for um, leading property managers of Australia, and um, they were asking, uh, the question was being asked, you know, how do you do your follow-up calls, you know, after a presentation? And one person said that, you know, when they go to the, the um, 
to the appointment, they actually take a bottle of wine. So then when they um, finish the, the next couple of days, they'll give them a follow-up call and saying, you know, how was the bottle of wine? That's their excuse to call. And I, I kind of went, yeah, look, I get it. But where I live, half the people are alcoholics and that would be the worst thing to take. And it doesn't, yeah. you know, and I actually openly said that. I said, that's great. It works for you. But it's not, to me, it's not personal. Um, yeah. I, if anyone brought me a bottle of wine, Darren and I, we're, we're platinum members for Acor. And they say, do you want wine? Do you want this? No alcohol. Where's the chocolates? You know? Hence. At the hotels. I've always got a bottle of wine or a bottle of champagne waiting for us in, in our respective hotel rooms. There you go. See? You know, so... But I think, as you said, finding something that's meaningful to the person is going to... Absolutely. Um, it's it's going to get... And you know what they do? They take photos. They put it on social media. You send them a handwritten card. They splash yeah. it all social media. And before you know it... You know, we're getting all of this media coverage, not that we did it for that, because yeah. we genuinely want to appreciate people. I mean, that's yeah. the difference, isn't it? We genuinely want to thank people, appreciate people for who they are, not for what we get out of it. Yeah. When I used to, when I used to go to people's houses as a real estate agent, I would always have a um, dog treats in my car. And so when I would, I would usually sit in my car and write a handwritten thank you card there. And then I would go and put it back in their letterbox back when people checked their letterboxes because olden days. Um, but if I had like a client that had a dog in there, I'd throw the smackos in with it or like one of those, you know, dog bones, something like that. Like, you know how much people love their fur babies. So anything like that to stand out and literally I'd go to my car, I'd write the thank you note in my car rather than actually, you know, having to come back or mail it or anything like that. Little things like that, like just having a box of thank you cards with you anywhere that you are basically so so simple and yeah. so easy. there's a good tip anyone who doesn't um get on with dogs i used to love going to the houses and the babies i was good with babies i was good with dogs <laughs> but it was always something where the person would say oh wow the last real estate agent the dog didn't like well if you're one of those people where the dog doesn't like you i recommend getting smackos and rubbing it on your pants or your legs or something so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you don't have that natural ability like Kirsty or myself, then maybe that's a, a tip for you, you know? <laughs> Kirsty, okay, so you've got the right people on board. You've selected them through attitude. You've looked at their customer service ethic. They've got a real sense of urgency. But, you know, let's just say that you do, you know, you've, you've had, maybe you've made, made the wrong choice or something like that and you've got a person that's not fitting your culture. One of the things that I subscribe to that I've learned from a guy called Brian Tracy and fancy that, you're the lady that got me onto Brian Tracy so many years ago and I've listened to so many of his books now over and over again. But And thank you, Kirsty. You know, you're getting me onto Brian Tracy. But one of his uh, favourite sayings is quick to hire, um, quick to hire, sorry, um, slow to hire, quick to fire. So okay. slow to hire, quick to fire. You're taking your time and selecting the right people. But when you know, when you know that you know within yourself, you've got the wrong person on the team, something's happened, what do you do? I wish I could say to you, this was a strength of mine, but I would be absolutely lying to you. It is... Yeah one of the hardest challenges that I've ever had. And especially I think because I came into managing teams at 21, 
And quite often, like I remember at one stage, I was managing a staff member three times my age. Not that I had to, you know, look at firing him. He was a doll and is still a mate. But um, I've always found it really, really challenging. And I was actually giving a, a girlfriend some guidance around this the other day. And I just stepped through a whole bunch of questions like, you know, she was like, what about if I put her into this role? What about if I do that? What about if I do that? And it was so easy for me to step her through the process of eventually knowing that this person wasn't going to work out. But I've found it horribly difficult. And I've been so fortunate. I've managed a lot of people. Um, I've never actually had to directly fire someone. Um, I have worked through processes with people where they eventually came to the conclusion that the job role was not right for them. So I would say that has probably been my preferred um, method of doing it. I don't know how efficient it is though. Um, and I certainly wouldn't be recommending it. As you're a saying your culture, really, your, your strong culture there probably squeezes the wrong person out. Would that be a good way of saying it? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, especially I'm in a small team right now, um, but in a bigger team, there'd be certain circles of people that would run together, but provided each of those circles had the right culture, if someone can't fit into one of them. Yeah. I think it is, it's tricky and it's challenging. Um, I, I have had a, an instance though, where I've sold a business and, um, one of the things that I was really proud of in that was that we made sure that the entire team then transitioned to the place that we sold that business to. Um, and we actually ended up taking less money so that we could ensure that that happened. But then obviously culturally, it's hard to know how that team will then fit into the new team as well. But no, it's tricky. I mean, I mentioned earlier on that staff management's probably one of my weak points and I'm probably showing that now no great strategies around that I would love to be ruthless I'd love to just come in and go like hey it's not working out but I I really like people and I get really invested and for me the biggest responsibility as a business owner is that I have my family to look after but I have all the other families that are dependent upon the wages and the salaries that come in like I, I can't even stress how big of a responsibility that is when you're a business owner like for me every single other staff member would get paid before I took a cent if things were difficult and so the idea of coming in and being ruthless and getting rid of someone from a business perspective I can see the logic but I've just found it really really difficult okay so I've got two more questions left before we wrap this up but so okay you've got a, you've got a great team culture and that's what this podcast is all about is just getting the right people keeping the right people you've got a lot of fun um, you know you've got a, a really good team where everyone looks after one another but what are your top three non-negotiables that 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 cannot be compromised with you and the team um <sighs> With clients or, or whatever. The, the first one of this is a, is, a, is a training issue. And with our staff, it's something that I'm consistently repeating to them. So, yes, it's a non-negotiable, but it's not something people pick up straight away. And we already mentioned it, but it's that if you make a promise to a client, you diarise that and then you get back to them earlier than that. So, if I say to you, I'm going to be back in touch with you on Thursday, I've got a diary note for Wednesday. And I'm back in touch with you before the deadline. Um, so it's about setting expectations that you know you can meet. So quite often we, we use Voxer a lot for communication when I'm out of the office. And a staff member Voxered me the other day, which is sort of like a walkie-talkie. And she said, okay, we should hear back from the bank by close of business. So I'll tell the clients who'll be in contact with them tonight because she knew I'd be on email that night. And I just Voxered her back and said, no, you won't. And then she thought about it. She was like, I'll tell them you'll be back in touch with them within 48 hours. I was like, bang on. That's what I want. I don't want Amy having to stress about meeting an expectation that's been promised for me that I can't meet because 
a lot of the time we're dealing with banks and they don't get back in contact with us when they say they're going to, but I also want to be able to exceed that expectation. So that's a non-negotiable. Every time you communicate with a client, that client, if it's an ongoing thing, that client needs to know when you're coming back to them next. Because if a client contacts you and says, how's that, how's that going? How's my, um, how's my roof repairs going? Have you found a tenant for my property? You've stuffed up. You need to yep. take it on the chin and go, Agreed. I have not communicated well enough to that person about when my next contact will be. And I reckon that's in any industry, but especially in property management. If something is ongoing, that client should know when they should expect to hear from you next and you need to be unfailing with that. Um, second thing would be the no news contact. Uh, hi, we've you know been looking for a tenant. We've had this many inspections. We've been communicating with you, but at the moment we don't have a tenant for you. We're going to keep following up. We're going to change this. We're going to do this, and we'll be back in contact on this date. But just that phone call that says, "Hey, we've been we've been trying our guts out, but we haven't got there yet." That is the most important communication that anyone can make, and it's not negotiable. So um, we're talking Brian Tracy, eat the frog if it's a hard call. Like say, for example, if I've got a client and their home loan has been declined, it doesn't happen often, but it happens, I've got to pick up the damn phone and call them. Um, and so that probably leads on to point number three, bad news is delivered in person or on the phone. If you can't get them, then you can send an email detailing it, but you have to have tried to get them. Um, and bad news is delivered quickly. Don't sit on it. Yeah, well done. Eat that frog. Eat that frog. That's what it's all about. Get it out of the way. Get it out first and, and deal with it. And, uh, you know, well done. So, all right, Kirsty, you are speaking at IG2 2019 Woo! conference coming up in September. Now, you've got a main conference session. It's all about turning your weak points into your greatest strengths. 30 seconds, one minute. What is it all about? Um, well, it'll be day two of the conference. So I know you guys will all be, you know, pretty full up to the brim with specific property management knowledge. I'm not going to come on board and say that I am the property management expert, but I am going to talk to you about my business career, my experience, and about how along the way, everything that people said would cause me to fail has actually been the reason that I've succeeded. What's one of your weak points, your biggest, weakest point that you turn into your greatest strength? Uh... Right now, the fact that I'm a really, really present mum could be perceived as a weak point. So I do seven out of 10 school pickups. I do most of the drop-offs. I spend every school holidays with my kids. That could absolutely be perceived as a weak point. But instead, I deal with so many parents and I explain to them how I work around that, that I'll work late at night for them, that they'll get me when they won't get another person working in my industry, that I will, you know, have a great team of staff that support me for those times when I'm unavailable. So right now that's one. And when I started, um, I often joke that I looked really young when I started working in real estate. And so when I started selling real estate at 19, I probably looked like a walking fetus showing up at the door, like, hello, give me your listing. But I would say to people then and there, like, my weakness was my, my youth and my inexperience. And it wasn't even perceived inexperience. It was actual inexperience. I had no bloody idea what I was doing, like all of us when we first get into selling real estate and we're winging it at the beginning. But I would just say to people, I don't really have the level of experience as opposed to this agent and this agent, but I am hungry and you will be my only listing. I said that to the first one. It was on Basin Road in West Elsa. So I was like, you will be my only listing. And no one will give you more attention than me. No one will try harder than me. I have no life. I would say that I had no kids, no other, you know, things to focus on it. So it's just about finding those things that could be the perceived weaknesses, especially if you're coming up against other agents um, and just finding a way to turn them into your strengths. So 
you asked for 30 seconds and I gave you five and a half minutes. So Well, that's cool. And that's what we expect <laughs> at the conference. We expect people are going to feel like they're sitting in front of a Tommy gun. So many people know you, so many people respect you. Um, I know just putting your name on the conference program, people are going to go, wow, we want to see Kirsty. So just want to thank you so much for your time. Um, you, you are uh, an inspiration. You still are an inspiration to many in the real estate industry. Um, and uh, certainly you've um, helped me with my career. Um, definitely getting me on to Brian Tracy as well. So thank you very much. And um, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really honored. And I obviously have so much respect for what you guys do. That's the reason Dennis is bringing me out of retirement. I can't say no to him and I can't say no to you. And, and you mentioned that I've helped you. You've also very much helped me in revolutionizing my business in the past year with a tip that you gave me last year um, and some contacts that I latched straight onto and they've been amazing. So thank you so much for that. Cool. Well, it's been great. Um, th thanks so much for your time and um, take care, everybody. See you soon. Thank you, Kirsty. Thanks, everyone.